Where are you with God's Word? Today, everybody say today. Today, Today, on this particular Sunday in January, and I'll mention it a little later on in my message, but there are 70 nations that are gathering in Paris, France today. They will discuss the future status of Israel and the peace agreement with the Palestinians. If you carefully examine what they're going to begin to deal with, you are made aware that they are uh, taking their uh, meeting agenda, it sounds like, right out of the book of Daniel. We are living in the last days. You'd be, you would do yourself good to, be, to consider the fig tree. You'd do yourself well to consider Israel and uh, watch what is happening in this day in which we live. We are living in the closing moments of time. I want to be ready. Not time to play church, it's time to be the church. And I want to I come to grips with where I am with the Word of God. Every illustration in the Bible suggests that the Word of God is energy and power. The scripture says it is light, it is a hammer, it is seed, it penetrates the darkness, it breaks opposition, the word of God. Opposition melts in the presence and in the word of Almighty God. It consumes, it is incorruptible, it lifts, it sustains, it pushes, and it conquers. The word of God takes on all challengers. No wonder hell hates the Word of God. I'm going to say that again. No wonder the enemy hates the Word of God. No wonder churches are bowing to public opinion and not the Word of God. No wonder denominations are bowing to the status quo in the culture and not submitting to the Word of God. The Word of God is going to number you. It's going to call you out. It's going to separate you. It's going to demand a changed life, a changed heart, and a changed mind. Because there is life in the Word. I said there is life in the Word. Now you may not be dedicated to obey it, but I want to tell you that the sun rose this morning right on time. It's going to set in the West just like it was ordered to do thousands and thousands of years ago. Winter will give place to spring just like it was commanded to do thousands of years ago. And all of God's creation obeys the word of God. It shall not return void, but it will accomplish what it was sent to do. I join with all of creation in choosing to obey God's word. To walk in God's word. To know God's word. To hear God's word. And to follow God's word. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord today. The prophecies, there's life in the word of God. It awakens the slumbering and I'm praying it'll do that today. I'm praying it will shake the indifferent today. I'm praying it will cause this church to rejoice today. Because we're not standing on the word and the laws of men. We are standing on the word of God. We used to sing that old song, I'm standing, standing, standing on the promises of God my Savior. I'm standing, I'm standing, 
I'm standing on the promises of God. Heaven and earth is going to fail. Everything that can be shaken will be. But the word of God endures forever. I'm standing on the word today. The prophecies concerning the first coming of Jesus Christ were numerous and incredible. You say, well, the Bible is just another book. And there are a lot of books that ought to be considered. And the Word of God is just not that important. It's just a historical record. I beg to differ with you today. The Word of God standeth sure. Jesus was prophesied to come. His first birth was prophesied. I don't have to go into all of them, but the law of probabilities is an interesting deduction if you're a mathematician. In fact, let me give you an example. If you were to pick two football teams that we're going to play today, say it's the Green Bay Packers and the Dallas Cowboys, your chance in picking the winner is one in two because there are two teams playing you got a 50-50 chance to pick the winner. But if you move to the next probability and you try to pick the score, most NFL games are scored below the uh, score of 60. So if you pick a number between 1 and 60 for one team and a number from 1 and 60 to the other team, you are now trying to determine the score. And you have to multiply both those 60s times the two that you uh, had in the probability of picking the right team. And in just those two probability factors, you have a 1 in 7,200 chance of picking the winning team, and the winning score. It's very difficult to do that. That's just two laws of probability. But stack up the 11 major prophecies concerning Jesus' first coming, his birth, and the law of probabilities with those 11 prophecies. He would be born in Bethlehem. He would come of the tribe of Judah. And when you place the laws of probability in those 11 prophecies, They really, for one man to fulfill those prophecies, it is one in 10 to the 19th power. Basically, that's one in a one with 19 zeros behind it. That is one in 10 billion times a billion. For one man to fulfill those 11 prophecies. Now understanding only one chance in 10 billion times a billion. You have to deduce it this way. Let every chance, let every one to the 19th power. Represent an area of about the size of a normal script in a book. It's about 1 20th of a square inch. If every one chance you had to pick the right guy was one twentieth of a square inch, you basically have just charted all the earth's oceans into an area of one twentieth of an inch. That's small. The entire world's oceans uh, charted into a one twentieth of a square inch. And to see how lucky those biblical prophets were when they predicted those 11 events. Imagine one person sailing over the oceans and there's a diamond ring somewhere in the earth's ocean. And when you feel lucky, when you feel lucky, you stop and you move right down to the bottom of the ocean and you in the first chance you find that diamond ring laying on the ocean floor. You get one chance. 
with those odds who would like to bet a month's salary that you could find that ring in one chance. But sadly, millions will die who have bet their lives and their eternal destiny that the Word of God is just another book and it doesn't mean anything. I've come to declare to you the Word of God standeth sure. And that Bible says Jesus came once and that Bible says he's coming back again. And you better believe it or you're just trying to get lucky. But I don't feel like you ought to take a chance today. God's word is sure. Come on, clap your hands under the Lord. I don't want to take a chance and miss another opportunity. I don't want to miss a church service. I don't want to miss an altar service. And amazingly, God would stake his reputation as God on that and many more prophecies in the word of God. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 8 says, The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. If he ever said it, he's not ever going back on it. Oh, praise God. It's going to happen. You can rest assured that what God says, he will do. God's word is to be the guiding truth in our lives. It is intended to be more than just a book that gathers dust on our bedside table or just an app in our phone that we never visit. God's word is forever settled. Therefore, we ought to consume it. We ought to love it. We ought to ingest it. We ought to eat that bread. We ought to take it every day. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord. Where am I with God's word? Luke chapter 11, verse 28. But he said, more than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. It's not just enough for us to be a Bible preaching church. We need to be a Bible keeping church. Not only are those blessed that hear it, but they are blessed that keep it. Now men have debated God's word without, with little regards to fleshing it out in their own lives. We like to celebrate it. We like to say we love it. Yet our Facebook app gets more visits than our Bible app. Hello? Anybody home? <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and tell them I'm glad to be in church today. Somebody say Amen. Men have debated over the word of God with little regards to how it affects their life. I've seen people argue and fight about doctrine and they can't be obedient. Uh Uh-oh. I've seen people murder people with their tongue and be right in doctrine, but they hadn't tithed in years. Boy, it got real quiet. You know when the preacher gets to messing with your pocketbook, it gets real quiet. I think it's time we put our money where our mouth is. I think there are people that get real vehement about some selective doctrines they like, but they pick and choose what they want to obey and then ignore the rest. I'm asking you where you are with God's word. Ezekiel said, I like the smell of that bread. And the Lord said to Ezekiel, Ezekiel, you need to know one thing. When you start eating this, you better be ready to eat the whole loaf. 
Now, I don't know about you, but I refuse just to be a preacher that preaches to the itchy ears of people. And I refuse to be a church that answers to the culture whether they like the message or not. When I decided I was going to walk in the Word, I decided I was going to walk in all of it. Come on, clap your hands under the Lord. You may not be aware of it, but you're in a Bible preaching church and you're in a Bible keeping church. Oh, clap your hands under the Lord. In fact, let me just give you a little example. We not only believe people ought not allow anything to gain power over their life. Somebody say amen. We believe in drunk, that drunkenness, you'll be lost if you're a drunkard. We believe intoxication will send you to hell. We believe that intoxication represents not just people that are intoxicated with alcohol. I believe I've got Bible for some of you that think you need sleeping pills. Uh-oh, it's going to get real quiet. I got Bible for some of you that want to lambast people that, that uh, don't, don't do the, the three top, uh, top three sins that apostolics preach against, but you're going to gossip about people. You're going to put stuff on the internet that's not true. You're going to tell everybody your business, and you're just as guilty as the guy that's at home today. Uh, yeah, and I know you probably thought I should have missed church today, but I came with a message burning in my heart to ask this church where you are with God's word. It's one thing to say I love the Lord. It's another thing to say, you know what, God, I want you to be an impact in my everyday life. I don't care how I feel. I don't care what my family thinks. I don't care what everybody else says. I'm going to walk in the word. I'm going to obey the word. Oh, clap your hands under the Lord. Yeah. Right doctrine without right living is powerless. Now, I'm going to say that again, and I wish I got some apostolics to say amen. Right doctrine without right living is powerless. It's useless. It's non-persuasive. And it lacks testimony of impact. Somebody say Amen. I think it's important that we not only be apostolic in our doctrine, but we allow God's word and his doctrine and his truth to to infiltrate every part of our lives. You see, the Bible tells us in Numbers 15, the soul that shall be cut off because you despise the word of the Lord. We have a danger today mentioned in 1 Samuel 15 that says because you rejected the word of the Lord, God also will reject you. Not only is there a danger mentioned, but I know the word of God, if I hold to it, it will preserve and keep me. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 3, the Lord caused Israel to hunger. The Lord caused Israel to hunger. I'm going to say that again. The Lord caused Israel to hunger. Well, Brother Gene, I'm hungry for some things. Yeah, and the Lord may have caused that hunger. And he desires not only to make you hungry, he desires to feed you. (laughs) See, the reason you're hungry is so that you will realize there's nothing that feeds you except the word of the Lord. Oh, I know. 
You're starving to death. You're looking for food everywhere. And you keep on taking it in. And your belly is never satisfied. It satisfies your taste for a moment. But a few hours later, you're hungry again. The Lord put that hunger in you so that you can be fed by the Lord. And he said of Israel, I caused them to hunger. And I fed them with manna so that they would realize that man does not live by bread alone but by every word oh I tell you what I need today I need a word from the Lord I need a word from heaven I need a word from the king of kings and the lord of lords oh come on let's reach out unto the Lord right now come on just worship him for a moment Come on, fill this gymnasium with your voice right now. Lord, I praise you, God. I thank you, Lord, for the hunger that's there. Lord, let us realize that the only thing that satisfies is your word. Deuteronomy 4 and 2 says you can't add to or diminish God's word. I don't care what you think about it. I don't care what's popular. It doesn't matter what this society disregards. You're not going to add anything to it. And you're not ever going to take anything away from it. 2 Samuel 22 says the word of the Lord is tried. It's been proven. It's already been tested. 1 Kings 8.56 There's not one failed word in all his good promise. There is not failed one word of his promise. 1 Kings 17, and the word of the Lord led Elijah to the right place to be in the drought and the famine. In 1 Kings 17, the word of God kept a barrel of meal from being empty and a pot of oil from running dry. The word of God is powerful. 2 Kings 7 and 1, the word of the Lord brought the prices of food crashing down. When the prophet said, by this time tomorrow, flour's going to go on sale and barley's going to be found at a bargain. <laughs> That's the power of the word. Jeremiah 15 says, for those who are called by his name, God's word is the joy and the rejoicing of their heart. Well, I've lost my joy, preacher, like joy is some uh, figment or some elusive thing that circumstances can change. No, Jeremiah said the word is your joy. Well, I know it looks like you're happy about it, but I know my word says if I'm sick, he's able to heal me. His word says if I'm lost, he's able to save me. His word says I'll never leave you, nor will I forsake you. He is my rejoicing today. (laughs) Jeremiah chapter 20. Somebody say praise the Lord. I know some of you probably thought we weren't going to have church today because it was raining. Maybe you're maybe you were already worked up that we weren't gonna have church, so you just kind of not at church. I need you to be at church today. Jeremiah chapter 20 says, I decided that I would I, I, Jeremiah said I, I made up my mind I wasn't gonna say anything else. I wasn't gonna talk anymore. I wouldn't even call its name. I, I've been talking for 20 chapters and I'm tired of talking and nobody's listening. And he said, I'm not even gonna say his name anymore. But when I shut my mouth, his word began to build like a fire in my bones and I could not keep silent. See, this is why I know we need the word in our lives. Some of you think prayer time is meditation time. Uh Uh-oh. 
Some of you think prayer time is meditation time. You don't say much. You don't say much in church. You don't say much in prayer. You don't say much in worship. You just sit there with your mouth closed. But Jeremiah said, I couldn't keep silent because his word was like a boiling fire in me. The word will put words in your mouth. It'll put praise on your lips. Anybody hear what I'm saying? I think it's all right for the church to say amen when they agree with what the preacher's saying. I think it's all right for somebody to shout hallelujah every once in a while because his word is shut up in my heart. I cannot keep silent. I'm gonna sing, I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna preach, I'm gonna worship. Oh, clap your hands under the Lord. Don't be silent any longer. Don't be silent any longer. Jeremiah 23, it's not my word. It is not my word that's like a fire. It is his word that's like a fire. It's not my word that's like a hammer. It's his word that's like a hammer. John chapter 17, verse 17 says, Sanctify them through your truth. What is truth? He goes on to explain it. Your word is truth. God's word will be the final factor that sets you apart from all the rest. It will be the thing that separates the sheep from the goats. He's not going to have to separate you by looking at your eye color or your DNA or what your family name was or whether you went to an apostolic church or not for that matter. His word is going to be the divider in your life. I don't know about you, but when that searchlight of his word begins to move, I want him to find me standing in the truth. I want him finding me standing in obedience. There was a captain on the bridge of a very large naval vessel. He saw a light ahead on a direct collision course with his ship. So the captain on the bridge of this large naval vessel signaled, alter your course 10 degrees south. The reply came back, alter your course 10 degrees north. Captain got a little dander worked up. He signaled, alter your course 10 degrees south. I'm a captain. The reply said, alter your course 10 degrees north. I'm a seaman third class. (laughs) Furious, the captain signaled, alter your course 10 degrees south. I'm a battleship. The reply Alter your course 10 degrees north. I'm a lighthouse. I don't care how big and bad you think you are. There is a lighthouse that stands sure. I don't know about you, but every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And it will not be long before that happens. Come on, clap your hands unto the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. I think it's time as a pastor I stir this church up the first month of the year to ask yourself a very important question. Where am I with God's word? We are getting close to the coming of the Lord. I said we're getting close to the coming of the Lord. Their meeting today, I mentioned it earlier, and I won't turn this message into a prophecy message, but I want to tell you, their meeting today about the status of, of Jerusalem, and particularly the Palestinians and the Jews cohabitating, and the move is toward a two-state solution, and they're going to make an agreement, and the Bible tells us they're going to come to an agreement. 
In fact, if you study history, they've already come to an agreement. They just have to enact that agreement. And in that agreement, Israel's going to rebuild their temple and they're going to begin to sacrifice again. I want to tell you, friend, we're that close to the sharing of the Temple Mount between the Palestinians and the Jews. They're just about, they're ready, friend. They've got all of it ready to go. You can travel to Israel and, and, and search for yourself. You'll be aware, made aware uh, that they're ready to build that, that temple of worship. It's going to happen. It reads just like out of the book of Daniel chapter 9 in John Kerry's statement just a few weeks ago. He made statements about Israel's holy sites. And he said, we believe the path to peace means they have to share that holy site not only with with the Jews but the Palestinians and the Muslims and he began to name all the faiths that believe that is a holy site and they said we're going to have to share this holy site I want to tell you friend we, the time clock is marching on God's word you may have read it and said there's no way that can happen but I want to tell you it's about to happen in our very hour You know what that means? You ought to get a hold of this book and you ought to eat every bit of it. You ought to read every word of it and everything you have not done, you ought to do and everything it says you should not do, you ought to stay away from. This is not the time to say, well, I don't think that's going to send me to hell. You better make sure you've read the Bible. You better make sure you've investigated. You can't take a chance. Well, I don't know if that's a heaven or hell issue. You better be sure. Because the word of God is going to make its march through your heart. The fire is going to, make, going to burn its path through your heart. And the Bible says everything that is of wood, hay and stubble is going to be burned up. Are you hearing me today? Everything in your life that's not rooted and grounded on the word of God that's called gold, silver, and precious stone. Everything else is going to be burned up. All your excuses for bitterness, all your anger, all your malice, all your sin, all of it, all your possessions, all the stuff you think's important, the fire of God's word is going to go forth again into this world. It's burning everything up that's not of God. I want my feet standing on the rock. Where am I with God's word? Where am I with God's word? Well, just let me let you in on a little secret. It challenges me when I read the words of Jesus that says, when they curse you, bless them. Oh, I know that's, that brings friction in my humanity because that's not the way you do things. I was taught as a little boy, if they hit you, you hit them back. But God's word is marching through my heart. And when he says, when they curse you, bless them. When they persecute you, pray for them. Oh, yes. Resist not the evil man. When I read verses like that, it, it, my flesh cringes, but I realize, Lord, I want your word to march through my heart. 
When I examine the way people interact with one another, every in my own personal mind, let me just let me just open it up to you for a minute. The first question I ask myself is, would I treat my own friends or my own family like that? Would I want somebody treating me like that? And I see the way people respond to one another and the way people act with one another. And I think, Lord, take us back to that. Oh, golden rule, do you remember what it was? Do unto others before they do unto you, right? No, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You want them to forgive you, then you better be ready to forgive. You want them to be gracious, then you better be full of grace. Oh, and I'm not just talking about your family. I'm talking about the stranger. Am I okay? Oh yeah. Let your word march through our hearts, Lord. How many ever read the scripture and all of a sudden, man, you realize, I don't don't have that one yet. (laughs) We're the best page flippers there are. I don't like, oh, I don't like that chapter. Let me go find another one. We like to talk about all the denominations that's ripped out certain chapters in the Bible, but we got a few we don't like either. And when pastor starts saying something about it, you give the saints of God on your left or right or in front of you, behind you, give them that little wink. Like, yeah, that's what he says, but that, you know, that, that doesn't work in the real world. Wink, wink. I want the word of God to march through my life. I want him to find me standing when it's all said and done. I will tell you what's going to happen. God's going to speak one more time. The Bible says it. His word has gone out and it's going out one more time. And when that word goes forth, it's going to be so powerful, it's going to shake the pillars of this earth. And everything that can be shaken is going to be shaken. And when that word goes forth, I want to be standing on the power of his word. I want to be standing on the truth. I don't want there to be any evil way. Somebody say amen. Well, let's lift our hands and love the Lord today. Come on, let's lift our hands and love Jesus right now. Where am I with his word? Check your attitude today. Where am I with his word? Where am I with God's word? Where am I with his promises? Where am I with what's pleasing to God? Thank you, Jesus. And I'll tell you what it's very important to do. We don't look for scriptures to, uh, we don't look at our lives and say, well, I wonder what verses back up the way I think about it. (laughs) You see, he's the lighthouse. We're just the little ship out on the ocean. And when the light says, alter your course. It's a lot easier to alter the word. Say it doesn't mean that. Well, that's your interpretation. (laughs) You know, at one time God did wink at ignorance. Turn to your neighbor and tell him you can't be ignorant, ignorant. At one time, God winked at ignorance. He's not winking anymore. You're just two clicks away from a Bible dictionary that'll tell you what every one of those words mean. 
Well, I'm not sure what fornication means. <laughs> well, you used to could be ignorant because you didn't have a class on fornication. But you're two clicks away from a Bible dictionary that will tell you what that means. You are now without excuse. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? And when the Word of God begins to speak, it's human nature to say, well, I don't like that. I I think I don't know if I'm going to do it. No, I want to alter my life according to God's Word instead of seeking to alter His Word to our lives. And as I close, there are three very important parts of this message that I want to close with. God's Word's very important. It's powerful. It stands sure. All those things I've mentioned. But the first thing I want you to be aware of is that God's Word has the power to save the soul. Praise God. James 1.21 Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the engrafted Word which is able to save your souls. What saves me today is God's word. Man has no power to save himself. James assures us in verse 18 that it is God who by his own will has brought us forth by the word of truth. It is implanted or set firmly or established in our hearts and the word of God brings us to a point of salvation. Romans 10, 17, so then faith cometh by Hearing and hearing by the word of God. Brother Gene, I don't have much faith. Well, it's time to hear. It's time to listen. It's time to open up your ears. Because hearing the word of God brings faith into your heart. Somebody say amen. Secondly, not only does God's word have power to save your soul. Everybody say yes, power to save. Second thing, God's word has power to transform your mind. Oh, and this is where us as apostolics, we got that salvation part. But some of you, your mind is going crazy. You're thinking crazy stuff. You're you're waking up in the middle of the night thinking this and creating stuff in your own mind. And the Bible says God's Word has the power to transform your mind. Romans 12 and 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy Acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I need that to happen today. There's enough worry in this world to kill a man. I need the renewing of my mind this morning. I need the word to take away every worry. I need the word to take away every fear. Be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove, prove, prove it. Oh, I love God's word. Prove it. What's going on in your head right now? That's the proof. Not whether you're a tongue talker or you got baptized in Jesus' name. What's going on between your ears? Renew your mind that you may prove. What is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? The Bible says in the last days men's hearts will fail them. Why? Because of fear. We all have fears. 
We all have worries. Transformation takes place on the inside, in the mind, and in the heart. And I'm praying that God's word would do more than just bring us to an altar today. But God's word would wash our minds. Paul is begging them to heed to the word of God. The renewing of the mind as I see it. It is to have our minds filled with God's word. From there, from that point, the spirit begins to illuminate the word bearing truth in us. God begins to show us the way. Here's what I mean. Hebrews 4 verse 12. For the word of God is living or quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the dividing of the soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow. And is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's why you can sit in church. And last night you laid on your bed and you thought certain things. And then the preacher gets up on Sunday and he preaches what you thought on your bed last night. Only God can do that. The Holy Ghost is a discerner of the thoughts. Not just the thoughts, but the intents. Why you're thinking the way you're thinking. You see, some of you are thinking the way you are because you have ulterior motives. You want things to go certain ways. And you're not going to stop till it happens. But you may be kicking against the pricks, as God told Saul. You may be fighting a losing battle, friend. So you better allow today, Lord, I want your word to know why I'm thinking this. I want you not only to know my thoughts, I want you to know my motive. I hunger for you, Lord. And then verse 13, there's no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to his eye, to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. He knows why you're thinking and doing the things you're doing. The Word of God knows where you are today, but I've come to tell you God's Word is transforming It can change every thought. It can change your mind. It can change your heart. It is living and powerful. It's sharp. It cuts both ways. See, a lot of people like for the preacher to cut on the sinner. (laughs) But it cuts coming back too. Judgment begins in a specific place. It starts in the house of God. Lord, deal with our heart issues. God, discern what the problem is in our heart and cut through all the fat. Cut through all the excuses, Lord. Do a work in us. I don't know about you, but I got just a few minutes before I should finish. But let me say to you, I never got anywhere with God until I opened myself completely and said, Lord, do what you want. Have your way. And there's people walked up here to this altar and asked the pastor and the preachers to lay hands on them thinking that your deliverance came from something external. Now I do know that prayers from God's people do a lot of things. But the only way to receive what you need from God is to allow the word to begin to change your heart and your mind. See if you leave the same old creature it's just going to be a matter of minutes before that prayer wears off. Uh... Anybody hearing what I'm saying? Let's take a quick test then. Let's take a quick test. Turn to your neighbor and tell him it's a quiz.
Let's take a quick test then. Let's talk about transformation. Let's talk about God changing our hearts and our minds. Let's take a quick test. Let's just do one little test drive through one series of verses. Ephesians 5, 21. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. Oh, let's skip down a few verses. Let's try Ephesians 6 and 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now we've taken just about nine scriptures to do our little test. Let me ask you something. Wives, are you submitting to your husbands? Husbands, are you loving your wives? Children, are you obeying your parents? See, this is where the rubber meets the road. We like to say we're Pentecostal. Whoa, whoa, we got the truth. Yeah, the truth don't make much difference to us, but we got it. I chose these measures of transformation for they are often some of the weakest points in our lives. If we struggle in submitting one to another, we're going to struggle in submitting our lives to God. The story is told of four ministers discussing the pros and cons of various Bible translations and paraphrases. There's all kind of translations. Eventually, each one of those ministers stated which version, in his opinion, is the real Word of God, the best translation. The first minister said he used the King James because the old English style was beautiful and produced a more reverent picture of the Scriptures. The second said he preferred the New American Standard Bible because he felt it comes nearer to the original Greek and Hebrew text. The third minister said his favorite was the paraphrased Living Bible because his congregation was young and it related to them in a very practical way. All three men waited while the fourth minister sat silently. Finally, he said, I guess when it comes to translations and paraphrased editions of the Bible, I like my dad's translation best. He put the word of God into practice every day. It was the most convincing translation I'd ever seen. Lord, help us to put your word into practice every day. I made up my mind. I'm not just going to be a man that pounced my fist on the pulpit about knowing the truth. I got six generations of Pentecost in my blood. My old great-grandma still got the Holy Ghost in East Texas in the Brush Harbor days of the turn of the night of the 20th century. I understand about heritage, but I made up my mind. I'm not just going to say I know the truth. I'm not going to say I've been aware of the truth. I've decided, Lord, your word has its will in my life. Do what you will. 
Psalms 119, verse 160, the entirety of your word is truth. All of your words are true. And every one of your righteous judgments endure forever. And I close with this portion, the third. First, the word's able to save us. Second, the word's able to transform our mind. Listen now. Thirdly, the word has the power to conform the body. If we are transformed through the mind, that's the inside, it only seems to reason God wants to conform the bodies on the outside. This is more than just, you can't see my heart, and I know I do this and that, but you don't know my heart. See, the whole point is God's Word wants to start on the inside, and then it wants to affect the outside. Romans 8, 29, for whom he foreknow, knew, he, he also predestined to be conformed. Did you hear that? He predestined you to be conformed to the image of his son. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. In other words, if you're born again, how many's born again? Raise your hand, wave it a little bit. If you're born again, he was the firstborn of many brethren, and that's us. But the reason he birthed you was for you to conform to the image of Jesus Christ. He wants me to be like Jesus. Wow. That ought to wipe all the smug off your face. That ought to move the needle a little bit in your religious pride that says, wait a minute, I've got a long way to go to be like the Lord. Work on me, Lord, in 2017. Don't let me stay the same, oh Lord. Move in my life. Come on, I want you to reach out to the Lord right now. If you feel like praying in the Holy Ghost, I want you to do that. Lord, move on me. God, don't let me stay the same. Move in my life, Lord. Move in my life, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, your word is a light into my path and a lamp unto me. I want to tell you what, there's some men in this church that need to repent today. There's some ladies in this church that need to find a place to repent today. His word has just been, his word has just been something that you've taken for granted. And today he's calling you to examine where am I with God's word. I can't refuse it anymore. I can't ignore it anymore. I can't turn it aside anymore. I must respond to it. 1 John 3 and verse 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. It does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He is, when we shall see Him, we shall be like Him. For we shall see him as he is. Philippians 3.21 For our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. I believe God wants to do something to the way we look and the way we behave right now. 
to look to Jesus for our insight and our example to be like Jesus in our world today does it bother you to uh, make off color jokes about another ethnicity does it bother you to make off color jokes about sexuality does it bother you that Jesus came to save that soul (laughs) where are you with God's word Lord have your way let every kingdom come down today Luke chapter 4 verse 3 and the devil said to him if you are the son of God command these stones to become bread and Jesus answered him saying it is written man shall not live by what bread alone but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God the world says take your bread from earthly urges do what you want do what makes you feel good do what you think is right but Jesus was faced with that same urge of hunger he had the power to satisfy that urge and to feed his flesh however he chose to live not by his bodily urges but by the word of God Romans 6 12 therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lust and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness Lord we are your children we want to walk with you I want you to stand all over the building today God's word is a stronghold. It holds us safe. It keeps us. It transforms our thinking about the issues of life. It conforms our outward appearance to what God sees in us. And that is Christ in us. Jesus warns us that we make God's word of none effect in our lives because we choose to hold to our traditions rather than the living powerful word of God. The Word of God loses its power when your opinion is more important than God's Word. So today I encourage you to enter into the stronghold of God's Word by saying, Lord, I'm going to be obedient to you. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to do what you desire for me to do. Right now, reach up to the Lord all over this building. We're going to close this service. We're going to open this altar. But I want us right now to pray all across this building. Lord, move. And I'm going to open this altar for somebody that needs to repent today. Jesus said, repent or perish. So I'm calling men and women that know there's a, there's a point of disobedience in your life. And today you need to make it right. The altar's open right now. Right now. His word's able to heal you right now. Doesn't matter what people think about it. It just says, Lord, I want to surrender this part of me that's been disobedient, Lord. And I'm going to walk to the altar and say, Lord, wash me this morning. If you need the Holy Ghost right now, you've never been born of the Spirit. You need to make your way right now. The word has the power to bring you to life right now. Come on, if you're a backslider, come on, you don't have much time left. Come on, I'm calling young adults that you sit in church and you never move and you never cry and you never worship 
and there's no joy in you I'm calling you right now you don't have much time left the word of God is seeking you out today where are you with his word come on right now the altar's open any saint of God that says Lord I want to live for you Lord I want to live for you